What's going on, coaches? Uh, I know right now is kind of a it's kind of a weird time, right? Everyone's struggling and and the sickness is going around, so football's down, and uh, everybody obviously all of the coaches are getting bored on Twitter and are on there talking football, and it's it's been an awesome time for football, but also kind of a, an awful time for uh, everything else that's going around. So um, pray that you guys are safe, uh, that you guys are are spending some time with your family. That's kind of been uh, the silver lining to all of this is is getting a little time as, as coaches to uh, spend around the ones that we love the most and, and be around them and keep them strong and healthy. And so uh, hopefully you guys are all doing that. Hopefully we can uh, continue to bring a little bit of normalcy for you guys uh, and you can get some uh, a lot of different things out of our podcast. The other silver lining about all of this is there's some college coaches that are getting really, really bored right now um, and want to talk football with us or are willing to have the time to finally talk fo- football with us. And so we've got a few uh, what we think are really, really big uh, offensive line names here uh, from around the country in, in D1 football. So uh, we're excited to bring that to you guys as well as some unbelievable high school coaches. So uh, we're really excited. Check us out. Everything that we're doing over at runthepower.com. Uh, And again, uh, prayers out for everybody, and hopefully you guys are staying healthy. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. You get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at just play the team at just play hooked us up with their product as you guys know uh, and it's been a game changer for us if you've seen us on twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all we obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes as you guys know power counter inside zone pin and pull uh, and formation so we can save time and be more productive that's the biggest part Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com RTP. Don't wait, go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Bill Biedenbaugh. Coach Biedenbaugh is the O-line coach at the University of Oklahoma. Listen as we talk with Coach B about working for so many great coaches in the air raid system, the evolution of their counter GT play, and how they consistently develop some of the top offensive linemen and top centers year after year to dominate in college and in the NFL. You can follow Coach Biedenbaugh on Twitter at OU underscore Coach B. Hope you guys enjoy. So, Coach, kind of how we always start this, and and obviously, um, you know, uh, I've got to come down there. I've got to meet you over the the time of you recruiting Andrew and and, Uh – and. through the twins, uh, big twin, I know for sure. Um, and, and so I've known you for a little while now, but it, for, for everyone else, you know, kind of how we always start this thing is let you kind of introduce your, yourself as far as your, your football journey um, from your playing days, which I know when we talked to you, had, you'd got to play for a bunch of different offensive line coaches uh, similar yeah. to me. Uh, from your playing days, your coaching days, and, and how that brought you to, to Oklahoma where you are now. Yeah, well, I, I grew up, kind of moved around a little bit. Was born in Philadelphia, moved to Humble, Texas, and then finished up high school in St. Charles, Illinois. And then from there, went to Iowa Wesleyan College. Like you said, actually played for four head coaches and four O-line coaches, one of them being Mike Leach. And Hal Mummy was a head coach at one time. And then Steve Kayser, who was an NFL coach, he was um, Pat Poor and Charlie Moot. 
Um, and then, like, you know, four different, you know, offensive line coaches. And then went from there to actually Panhandle State, and Goodwill, Oklahoma. Um, spent a uh, – basically a season there. Went – got there in August. And then um, from there went to uh, Valdosta State to be a GA for a year. Uh, went to Central Michigan for two years as GA. Then Ferris State, I was – that was my first truly full-time job. Um, where I was the offensive line coach there, um, D2 school up in Michigan, really good school, playoff, you know, national championship type teams. And then um, went to back to Texas Tech with Mike Leach um, to be the O-line coach, or excuse me, to be a GA uh, for, my, I think, my first three years and then moved to running backs and then um, offensive line from there. Then went to Arizona with Sonny Dykes. He went to be the OC. He was our receiver coach at Texas Tech. Um, and then Mike Stoops was the head coach. Uh, went to West Virginia with Dana Holgerson, who I actually played with at Iowa Wesleyan, and then um, coached with at Tech. And then um, here, you know, been here going on. This will be my uh, eighth season coming up. Coach, what was what was it like, or what was the thought process? Maybe I mean, you always I think guys think about being a GA, and then you move up, and then you're uh, an offensive line coach, and that's kind of where everyone wants to be at. What what made you make that decision to go back to being a um, back down to go to uh, I think you said Texas Tech I think yes. you had to go back down what well, I'm sure there was a lot of of different thoughts going through your head at that point what made you kind of make that decision You know I I always wanted to coach at this level you know you you want to get to be at the highest level you possibly can um, I knew Coach Leach. You know, I knew Sonny Dykes a little bit, um, you know, had heard of Robert and I, who was the offensive line coach. So I always felt like, you know, if the opportunity arose, that Coach Leach was going to give me a, you know, full-time position. And obviously it worked out that way. Um, felt like it would be easier since I had already been a position coach and I was at the D2 level. Felt like it would be easier for somebody to hire me, you know, from there, you don't you don't always know. You know, you just kind of make the the best decision that you can, and that was the basic thought process for me. Is it'd be easier to stay at that level if I was already there? You know, whether it's right or wrong, I mean, it's it just doesn't happen a lot where you just move up from Division Two to to Division One. Now it happens, and it happens. It's all about who you know. But like, you know, I, I knew Coach Leach knew he was going to have success there. Um, and heck off that first step, staff, I think, I want to say seven or eight guys are head coaches. You know, Dave Aranda and I were GAs together, you know, at Texas Tech, and he's the head coach of Baylor now. So um, got to meet a lot of guys and, you know, made a lot of good contacts and uh, obviously, you know, helped me get to where I am right now. Yeah, that, I mean, that, I didn't realize that with Aranda, but, I mean – thinking about all the coaches that were there and then even even players that have gone on uh you know at least huh. through that tree uh that yep. now are coaches it's it's you know pretty unbelievable really how how wide that tree has gone no it definitely is you know Cliff Kingsbury was our quarterback for the first three years <laughs> and Combi was and he's Sonny's the OC at TCU um yeah just a bunch bunch of guys I coach Brandon Jones who you know who's now the offensive line coach at Houston. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's – and, uh, heck, I'm forgetting a lot. Sure. Joel Filani, he's back there. He was a receiver for us. He's back at Texas Tech. He was in North Texas with Seth Petrell. And then, um, you know, guys have obviously gone on to be high school coaches and things like that. So, yeah, there's a there's a wide net of guys from from that. And I just started with Hal Mummy, obviously. And then, you know, everybody went to throwing the ball and, you know, wanted to have guys that were had had success in that system, so it all worked out. So when I think of that offense, you know, the the original Leach or Mummy offense, just as I, maybe I'm a younger guy, but I start thinking of uh, offensive line wise, the really big splits, uh, everybody's uh, you know vertical set or, or backpedaling, however yeah. you know each coach decides to call it. Uh, is that how you initially started through that, and how did you see that morph? Uh, into the way you guys, you know, play now, which is, I would say, you know, completely different than that. No doubt. No, it was, um, 
you know, it's it's what I played in. You know, when I was at Iowa Wesleyan, you know, Coach Mummy was the head coach. Coach Leach was my offensive line coach. And it's really what I knew. And even when they left, we didn't do it exactly the same, but we had a lot of the same principles. And um, obviously, I went to Valdosta State with them. Um, and that's the same thing we did there. Um, but everybody, you know – I think and I believe in order to win championships, you got you got to run the football, be able to run the football. Because you know, as as much as you know, these there's these great quarterbacks are going to have off days, you know, and and I think you got to be able to have a physical presence. I do think it helps your defense. Um, I think you can hold on to the ball. I think running, being an effective running team is 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 you have to in in order to win championships. So. It's changed, and every guy that's left there has – we all have a lot of the same principles. We practice the same way, basically, but each guy's kind of added their own take to the offense, and, and most of it, I would say, starts with running the ball, no matter what you do. I mean, you know, most guys were zone scheme, inside, outside zone. We added the, the GT – which, you know, everybody kind of knows us for now, uh, you know, whatever it was for, I'm going to say four years ago now, maybe going on five years. So, um, and then we just evolved every year and different, you know, with Jalen, we had more of a, a big physical quarterback that we could run the ball with. So we ran them, you know, um, the other two guys, we didn't, you know, Baker and, and Kyler, but, uh, and they ran on their own, but we didn't have as many truly designed runs for them as we did with Jalen. So it changed, it's changed from then, and it's, it changes. Coach Riley does a really good job of evolving. And, and again, a lot of the same principles from that Texas Tech. And, you know, when I played at Iowa Wesleyan, we still have. But again, we've added what we think we need to have to win championships. Coach, I'm curious, you know, you just mentioned Coach Riley and uh, obviously working for one of the better offensive minds in the game today, but also he's, a, he's being a head coach, so knowing he has to kind of, you know, shoulder a, a bunch of other responsibilities, I'm interested to kind of hear, you know, what's it like when you guys are kind of game planning and working together, knowing he, you know, might not be there all the time. How do you guys kind of break up, you know, run plan, pass plan, things like that, obviously without having to give away all the secrets you guys have? Um. You know, it's pretty amazing that he can actually do it. And and really, you know, I thought, you know, because he was the offensive coordinator for uh, his first two years. So, obviously, he didn't have all the duties he has as a head coach. And I did think, um, you know, it would take a lot more of his time than it has. But it really hasn't changed much in how we do it. Basically, what we do is, is we have, you know, our top – I should say top – we have – our open field script and everybody knows, I mean, it's about 20, I want to say 25 to 28 plays a week is what we have. That's our open field stuff. And then we have, I want to say four to five short yardage, four to five third medium, four to five third long. Um, and then we have red zone and that could start different places. We, you know, generally it's a 20 to the six, but some teams will, will start it at the 25 um, and then, uh, obviously, our goal line stuff, we'll have some coming out plays if they do things differently coming off of your own end. Um, but everybody kind of, you know, what we do is we watch tape on our own. Um, we uh, have a practice. We practice Monday. We're off Sunday. Um, so we, uh, you know, watch it, you know, all day Sunday, a lot of Monday, you know, get our plays. And then Tuesday is when we really get everything set. You know, it's, it's we're going to have, you know, 20, like I said, 25 to 28 open field plays. We will generally not add anything after Tuesday. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but mostly after Tuesday, we will cut stuff and not add to it. It's, there's a few things here and there, you know, specific weeks that we may add one or two things, but generally it's cut from there. And every coach has input in everything. Um, obviously, I deal with, mostly with the run game, the pass protections, you know, what, what, you know, play action stuff, what in certain pullers and play action and zones and what's going to give us problems and things like that. And then, you know, we just go from there. 
Coach, as you talked about, I think everyone, um, again, I, I always think inside zone when I think of the original, you know, kind of air raid type offense. Um, and, and now you guys are kind of known, as you said, as, as a, as at least in the O-line community, as the GT counter team. Um, right. Was there any specific thing that kind of brought about, uh, you know, you guys working that in? I, I know I've heard some guys at like Oklahoma State talk about their wide zone, and, and that was kind of brought about, they said, because of the the three-four look with the four eyes, and it was a good play for them um, uh -huh. for that look. Was there any reason you guys started uh, getting into the, the GT uh, family, uh, what what kind of brought about that? Yeah, we had always run a, a fold play. A it's not a trap, a down lineman trap. It's just a fold play where we would man the front side and then pull a guard, maybe pull a guard and tackle. But we were actually playing Clemson in a playoff game, and Notre Dame was running the uh, the G read power read, which we don't we did last year, but that was the first time we did it because we had Jalen and. Um, we just felt like, you know, they were so good on the D line that we had to do some things to um, give our guys a chance to truly double team guys and, and get angles on them. Um, you know, and they did a lot of ex exotic stuff, and I felt like you can just gap those things up and be able to pick it up. And it was a, it was a good run for us, you know, against them and became successful. It was a, really the only th good run we had. I mean, we just – we, we weren't good enough to, to, you know, knock them off the ball on inside zone or, you know, reach them in the outside zone. So, you know, that that's how the play came about, and it was a good play for us. And then we just kind of developed it year by year and do it different ways. And, you know, I've seen – I think the biggest thing with it is you can really truly block whatever they do. Now, you do have to read some guys on the backside at times or – you can block them and handle them different ways, but um, I think it, it's really good for any movement, any blitz, any stunt, you know, once your guys understand, you know, the angles and, you know, what we're trying to get done with the play. When you initially got into that world of, okay, there's going to be some times we're going to have to read some people on the backside, uh, was that a, a, a nervous idea for you to go into it or uh, as an offensive line coach uh, to me it, it always is like god if we're putting we're reading him that means we're not you know accounting for him uh, it makes me nervous to jump into that world uh, was that a tough sell for you or, or were you pretty comfortable going into that no no I thought it was fine really um, I didn't have any issue with it because we did it on zone plays you know what I mean and and inside and outside zone we read the backside defensive end so I never had any issue with it we've always had really smart quarterbacks that made good decisions we obviously didn't want to run them Baker and Kyler because they did it on their own enough you know so we tried to scheme it how we thought that you know we were going to be able to hand the ball off more times than than keep it you know and, and that's really what what happened most of the time not to say that it, uh, he never had to keep it, but no, I, I never, I never worried about the quarterback having to keep it. Coach, you've also had, you know, a little bit of experience, I think, too, and, and I've always been interested in, with this dynamic. You guys have had, you know, transfer quarterbacks and, and guys come in. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of how those guys come in and acclimate and, and also get along, you know, with the offensive line unit because I think that relationship seems to be, you know super important obviously if you're going to have success on the offensive side yeah you know we've been, we've been fortunate you know and you know Baker came in redshirted and Kyler came in redshirted so um, that those situations were a little bit different just because those guys were here for a year at least before they became the starters so guys got to know them you know they were you know on scout team and obviously interacting with the team you know, for at least a year before they became a starter. And then, um, you know, Jalen was a unique situation. You know what I mean? But um, he, he was a great kid. I mean, he, he came in, he fit in right away, a little bit quiet at first, kind of reserved, but, um, you know, fit in really well. I mean, you know, they voted him a captain, you know, and he had only been there, I want to say, what would it have been, six months. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, it, the transition – 
was never never tough. You know, and Jalen had obviously instant credibility because he had won and played in national championships and, you know, did it at the highest level. So, I mean, there was no – obviously he had the respect of those guys and had great credibility from the moment he stepped on campus. Coach, I think, you know, obviously other than, than counter, I think OU kind of right now is known for sending, uh, offensive line-wise, a bunch of guys on uh, to the next level. I mean, uh, it's been it – maybe just because I live here in Oklahoma, but it's, it's been pretty crazy how many uh, Oklahoma has sent these past three or four years. Um, obviously, at, at some point, they're going to have to be those, you know, they're going to have to have certain physical attributes to ever get to the NFL. But, but – other big schools are recruiting these same type of kids. Um, it, do you look at it and, and, and give more um, cadence to you think you guys are, are going about recruiting the right people um, and building them? Or do you think that, it, you know, you're getting – I don't want to take anything away from, from the players. Or do you think it's some way that you guys as a, as a uh, program are building those players? You know, I think it's both. I really do. I mean, obviously, as you know, I mean, you got to have players. You know, I mean, they've got to have the physical and mental attributes that you want. Um, and you just you got to do the best job you can. You know, you, you, you never truly know. You know, when you're recruiting, you, you obviously sign the guys that you think are going to fit into the culture that you have. And, um, you know, work how you want to. Obviously, even before I got here, you know, this was a place that was known, you know, for developing offensive linemen. You look at Trent Williams and Lane Johnson and, you know, Phil Lodeholt and, you know, Davin Joseph. I mean, you just go back in time and, and they've always had them here, you know. So, but I do think the one thing for us that's kind of unique is we train, and I can't say how everybody does it, but we train our offensive linemen probably different than most and in the sense that we we specifically train them in the weight room we specifically you know train them um you know with drills we got you know we have five strength coaches you know benny wiley's our head strength coach and then we've got brian kagans who played o-line for me at texas tech we got frank who played offensive line i think at south florida and then at the nfl so we have guys that understand what we want, how we want to train them, and also guys in the weight room, you know, working with these guys that have done it at the highest level. So, and I, I constantly go out, you know, um, and watch people. We 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 try to stay ahead of the curve. You know, I I visited with Charles Bentley and that crew out there. My the old strength coach we had, and I went out there. Clint Anderson there in Tulsa, I talked to him a lot, um, went up to watch him train his guys. You know, we have that equipment. We got the Bentley equipment. So we, we just try to give them all the tools possible to be successful. And, you know, you got to recruit guys that, that love playing offensive line, as you know. I mean, it's tough. It's a grind. You know, you're going to get blamed for a lot of stuff. And, and it, you know, around here, we get a lot of credit, too. I mean, people realize that our offensive line has been pretty good lately. And, you know, but when things don't go right, you're generally getting the blame. You got to be mentally and physically tough as you know. So I think it's a combination of you got to recruit the right guys and then um, develop. So uh, the, the first time I heard you speak about offensive line play, it was you were at Bigsby and, and you were giving a clinic about counter. And, and I think probably the biggest thing that stood out for me in that whole thing uh, was you were talking about the tackles pull. And I don't know if it was coach talk or, or not necessarily, but you, you kind of gave a – a uh, general rule for for how he's pulling um but then you also talked about hey this guy is, is really good and extremely athletic and so um if he does this part of it well uh, i'm not going to overcoach this part uh, and i think that probably stuck with me uh the most of any of it uh was because i think sometimes it's easy to get bogged down and having hey this is exactly how we do everything uh but then these kids are so different is that your thought pro and, and tell me if I'm, I'm getting that wrong, but if that's true, is that kind of your thought process on, on a lot of different things uh, as you go through and, and coach each individual guy? No doubt. No doubt. I think you have to, I mean, there's some base fundamentals that you have to have as an offensive lineman, but, and there's certain things that I say you're going to do this way. Um, but I think you got to coach them differently. Exactly what you're saying, you know, 
when we pull our tackles, we open pull um, when they get here. You know what I mean? And then if, like you said, if the guy's an athletic guy, um, I'll let him skip pull as he, as he, you know, gets more experience and matures and all those things. And then, you know, I, I came about it, you know, the guys when they were open pulling were, which I call a false step, which it really isn't. I mean, it really does buy your time, buy you time, you know, behind the guard. But basically all they did was if it was a left tackle pulling, you know, he'd just pick up his left foot, put it down, and then open instead of just driving and pushing off of it. Which I, you know, in the beginning, I'm like, hey, you got don't do this. It's false stepping. But then I'm like, well, heck, it, it it's working and it's effective and it actually it buys them time. So I started coaching like that. Um, you know, just just seeing the players do it. And and for example, a guy like Orlando Brown, I just don't think you can coach a guy like Orlando Brown the same you would a Bobby Evans or a a Cody Ford playing tackle or any other tackles that we have. You know, just because Orlando's body is so different. And and one thing with him is he didn't react really well to an inside move. So I would always just vertical set him because there was no way people were running around him and they weren't going through him. The only chance that, and I'm not talking about back though, I'm just talking about set straight back. Right. Um, but he, uh, just so he wouldn't give up the inside because that was really the only place that the dude he could get beat, you know. So, and then the other guys that were really athletic, you know, I would let them mix in jumping people and doing things like that. Not to say Orlando never jumped the guy because he did, but in just straight drop back protection, it was more of a vertical set for him just because he's a totally different body, he's a totally different athlete. So, um, to answer your question, yes, I do coach these guys differently, and, and not just in that play, but in, in a lot of plays. Coach, you talked about, you know, some of the things you guys do specifically, like weight room-wise. What are some of the biggest deficiencies maybe you see, you know, in, in you know, a guy like an Orlando Brown who's massive versus maybe then, you know, you're going to have 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guys. But what are some deficiencies you see, or is it, again, that kind of, you know, the the individual, you know, we have to kind of go through, evaluate where his weak spots are, and then we put him on that plan. Yes, and, and that's exactly right. Now, in the weight room um, and, and doing drills, um, we they all do the same things. You know, they all do their, the same lifts. And it's different than a receiver, but, you know, they're doing the offensive line as a group is doing the same drills no matter what position you're playing. Now, once you get them here, once we get them here, then we, we do. We see, okay, where is their weakness? And obviously, we tried to try to build it up into a strength, but um, just taking advantage of, of what their strengths are. And I think that's your job as a coach, you know, to um, figure out, you know, what these guys are strong at, what they're weak at. Obviously, keep building their strengths and keep building their weaknesses, but you as a coach have to put them in the best position to be successful. And some guys can't do exactly what another guy can do. Maybe it's strength, maybe it's athleticism, maybe it's size, maybe it's arm length, whatever it is. So you've got to find a way to make these guys be effective and win out there on Saturdays. So kind of getting into, you know, specific with, with India, at least me thinking back, and, and I'm not sure how up-tempo you guys are anymore because, um, like I said, most things I get to see are clips. So I, ha I don't actually – I haven't seen a full game, like a TV copy in a while. But uh, just remembering back when I was in a, uh, a no-huddle, hurry-up offense, um, you know, in practice, offense alignment, it's, it's really easy to get uh, exhausted uh, through yeah. team or through, you know, you go to inside the team or, or you know, it's guys are, are using a lot of cardio. And so, uh, you know, you had – coaches we had some coaches that were really you know smart with us through Indy and we had some that that weren't as uh smart cardio wise and I don't want to say like smart or dumb but some that really took care of us cardio wise in Indy some that didn't as much um and now thinking of it as a coach myself it's like well I've got all of this stuff I need to get done but also they need to be uh at least not exhausted by the time it's Indy or sorry inside and team uh, because that's where we can really maybe evaluate those guys. How do you go about uh, how much work you get in in Indy and what tempo that is uh, in your individual drills? 
You know, that's, you know, that's a great question. Um, I've thought about it a lot. Um, I don't, I don't. Now there's certain days like Mondays, we do a little bit lighter indie. I'm going to take care of them on that day. Um, and then Thursdays will be also, we'll take care of them and Fridays, but Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you know, this is during the week, you know, not during spring ball. I mean, we're full go, you know, and, and what basically what I do in Indy is I take uh, uh, centers and guards or tackles or right or left side. And then our graduate assistant will take the other and we go through drills and it, it's rapid. I mean, it's going, it's going now we're, you know, we're not going so dang fast that they're not doing it right, you know, but we're getting a ton of reps in and then we go right to inside, right to team run, you know, and then we'll go back and have, you know, PAT field goal. We'll have another individual, you know, devoted more, more to pass pro. Our first session individual will be more run drills and then the second one will be more pass pro. But, you know, I feel like, and we don't play extremely fast. We didn't the past two years. Um, the, the first couple of years we did, um, but we didn't play extremely fast these last couple of years. But I always felt like if we had a long drive, which we, you know, we had more longer drives this year than we ever had, you know. Um, but if we had a long drive, we got late in the game. I always felt like we were more conditioned. We could take over the game. It's, you know, we've played in a lot of close games and it's, it's pretty amazing the amount of times that we've been able to finish out a game with the ball, holding on to the ball, you know, going on a four or five minute drive, just because I thought we were in good shape. We were, we had, you know, mentally and physically worn down the defense. So I think that comes from practice. I don't know if it's the right or wrong answer, but it's, it's how we've done it and how I've done it. Right. No. Yeah. That, that, that makes, you know, perfect sense. I, I was just, you know, curious because it does, like you said, you, you kind of you want to figure out a good balance, and you got to get your work in, and and you want to be prepared for uh, when you when you do play on on Saturdays. Um, what are and and again, obviously, we don't want to give away any any or all your secrets, but uh, there's some some big time guys you guys play against the Big Twelve in the SEC that are uh, like we've had other previous coaches call you know kind of game wreckers uh, on the defensive line uh, when you guys. When you, as a, as a, you know, thinking run game, you run into one of those guys, uh, what are, and maybe it's too broad of a question, but what are some of your thoughts on, on how to maybe mitigate those guys uh, in the run game or, or maybe even the past, just in, in general? Yeah, good question. The only guy, and I don't know if it was the right thing, uh, you know, looking back, I thought going into it, the only guy that we really – truly changed a bunch for was uh, Quinnen Williams at Alabama. He's the only guy that we just wouldn't run certain plays and uh, to his side. You know what I mean? I mean, we just – he was one of those dudes that he was as good as I've seen. And now you're going to see those guys, in the, you know, in the Big 12 and, you know, the SEC that you, you kind of say, okay, you know, when we get third and long, we're going to have to give our tackle some help here. You know, we're going to have to nudge the guy – chip the guy, whatever, slide to his direction, whatever it is. But the, the only guy that really changed anything for us was him, Quinnen Williams at, at Alabama. But other than that, you know, we're, you know, we feel like we match up quite honestly with anybody, you know, I mean, the, the LSU team this year was probably a, a little bit different, um, you know, but we didn't change a bunch, you know, they had a really good pass rusher number 18 and we did do some chipping and nudging on him and zoning to him and things like that. But other than that, we haven't changed a ton, you know, for, for any guys. With the, the chipping and nudging, I, I think that that's kind of a, you know, that's one where there's some guys that, that think that it almost screws up a tackle and then, but you see it every week, obviously in the NFL and, and major college. So it's definitely a, uh, important to take off of some of these defensive ends. Uh, is that something that you guys have to work on like an individual? Is that something that uh, it seems to just kind of work out for you guys by working enough in team? Uh, how are you working through some of those chips, some of those nudges uh, it, to be able to execute it in the game? Yeah, that, that you know, here's, the, here's what we do. We have two different things. And, and 
when we are, when our tackle knows he has help, he, and what I'm saying is that guy that is helping him has no pass protection responsibilities. Then he knows that he's getting help so he can set different. Then we do have, and I don't know the right answer to this. I don't, I don't like it when guys get more experienced, you know, we can let them do it. But then we have some things where, you know, the back is responsible for a pass protection responsibility, but he also within this protection, he will chip. And we don't know that, you know, and, and I don't have a great answer for it. Um, just because the thing that always worried me is, okay, if he says, hey, I'm helping you here, and then his, his responsibility comes, well, you don't really have help. You know, mm-hmm. now, some of the more experienced guys, you know, when Orlando and Bobby and Cody got older, I would let them, the backs, tell them because they knew, okay, when they were getting help. They, they knew based on the protection call, hey, if this dude comes, I'm not getting help. If he doesn't come, then I am getting help. So, it goes back to just how you coach the guys. You coach different guys differently. Some guys, I would never have them tell them that he was going to help if he was responsible for it. But when that, that wing or that tight end or that back does not have any pass protection responsibility, all his responsibility is is to chip and then release. Then we always tell them. Coach, staying with the protection theme, um, blitz pickup. You know, how do you guys kind of go about that as, as a weekly progression? I would imagine, you know, you, you'll game plan it on the weekends at some point, And then how do you guys practice that kind of throughout the week? Yeah. So what we do is we draw up every single blitz. So if, if it's um, if it's 12 games, I mean, we go now we don't break down for our cut ups every single front and all that. But for just blitzes and especially third down blitzes, we, we break down every single blitz so by by the time we get to the game we will have walked through we will have done it in team we all, we will have watched it on tape every single blitz that they have run you know and then so what we do is basically break it down to a base down blitz and then a third down blitz just because most of the time they're going to be different so um that's how we do it and then i just make sure you know, our GA just makes sure throughout the week that, um, you know, we see everything, see every single blitz. Coach, I, I know it, it seems like, you know, you guys got a lot of different things that you've got to be able to do uh, up front. Uh, but And you want those guys to be able to uh, play really quickly as well um, and not think too much. Uh, so how much are, are you giving uh, – how much are you putting on your offensive line every week? How much stuff um, are you giving them throughout the week? Um, you know, obviously you want them to know what they're going to see, but you start giving them too much, and, and now they're looking at everything. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question, and it's always it's tough to balance. You know what I mean? I probably, quite honestly, overdo it than underdo it. Um, but I always feel like – you know, and, and I always talk to the guys and they're honest, you know, and, you know, hey, how, how prepared do you feel? Did you feel for that game? Whether we won or lost, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know. And I probably, quite honestly, over-prepare them, but um, that's the chance that I take. You know, I've always kind of gone back and forth and, you know, um, what can you do? And this year we were more inexperienced, you know, so I probably overdid it at times. Um, you know, in the previous years, I, I think, we probably were pretty close to what we needed to do. Um, but that's a, it's a fine balancing act that you got to just, again, know your players and understand what they can handle. Coach, I know, too, you talk about, you know, the, the legacy of offensive line there. Um, you guys have always had, to me, like unbelievable centers, you know, at, at OU. I mean, and, and you guys have, you know, an unbelievable center right now. Is that something you're kind of doing, you know, on purpose? You know, a lot of times you, you look at the recruiting rankings, you look at the recruiting world, centers probably don't get, quote, the love that everyone else does. You know, what are you kind of looking for in your centers? And is that one of those, you know, hey, this is kind of our, you know, second most important position. You know, how do you kind of rate and, and look at your, your centers? Because you guys have been uncanny having dudes there. Yeah, you know, I think – I really think, and, and I know everybody says quarterback, but and that quarterback is obviously extremely important, but I think, especially for us, the center is the most important. Um, 
just because he calls out everything. I mean, he's responsible for setting the pass protection. He's responsible for setting the run blocking scheme. He's responsible for everything. And yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I got, when I got here, we were fortunate. We inherited gay biker. He's an Oklahoma kid. Um, and then we recruited a kid, Jonathan Alvarez. And then um, he was guard center. And then Eric Wren, who actually came here as a walk-on, he's actually our GA now, came as a walk-on and became an all-Big 12 guy, went to a couple, you know, NFL camps, and now we got Creed. Yeah, so we're always um, hopefully going to have a, a guy, you know, um, that can lead the charges because they, they have to because just because they're responsible for everything. And, you know, Creed's the best one I've had. And, you know, he, he's the best one that's come through here in a long time. And he's just got all the, the intangibles plus the physical. He's the biggest center that I've ever had. You know, most of the guys, you know, have been in the 6'2-ish, 6'3-ish range. You know, we've had some guys maybe a little bit bigger than that. But, um, you know, Creed's a guy who's 6'4-ish, pushing 6'5", and he's, you know, in that 3'10 to 320 range. He's probably 305 right now. Um, but you know, just a guy that can physically do it, can mentally do it, can execute everything that we want him to do. It's been very important for us. You all do put a lot on that center. Is that something that you'll meet individually with your centers? Um, is it just something they pick up while you guys are having full offensive line meetings? How do you go about that? A little bit of both. Um, you know, Gabe was a guy because we, you know, we were. I was new. Um, and he was new. We had kind of changed the system when I got here. Um, so I would be, I forgot Ty Darlington was in there too, but, um, you know, him and Ty, I met with individually quite a bit. I'll do it. I don't do it as much with Creed. He can pick up those things pretty quickly, you know, within the meeting. So, um, but there's times when we do, but um, it, it's mostly just in the meeting. And then there's other guys that we just, you know, whether it's a guard or tackle, we'll have individual meetings with as well. I always think that can be a really difficult position uh, to recruit just because so few high schools uh, are going to be, um, you know, audacious enough, I guess is the word, to, to put their best offensive linemen at center. I, I know I think Creed did in high school, but most high schools, if they've got a dude on a Division One or Oklahoma-type guy on their offensive line – uh, most of the time they're not going to put him at center. So I've always thought that was a, a, a difficult position to, you know, go out and recruit. It, it is. And if for the exact reasons that you just said, you're not going to recruit many true centers, which, and I mean, guys that have played the position in high school. Um, some guys have done it snapping on their own and things like that. But um you know, most guys hadn't done it, you know, so it is tough. So you got to, you got to find a guy that you think is probably a guard, um, but can also play center kind of, you know, basically the, the guy that you coached, Andrew Rain. I mean, he's, he's a guy that's playing guard for us right now in center. I do think eventually just depending on what happens, he'll, he'll take over center. Um, but he's, you know, he's a really smart guy. He's got the body for it. Um, physical guy, athletic guy. Um, he can mentally handle what we're putting on him. So that's what you got to try to figure out the best you can is, is does the guy have the leadership and the mentality to be the center, you know, and then can he snap, you know, can he shotgun snap? Because again, you're not going to see a ton of that stuff on film, you know, so you got to, you know, get all the uh, intangible qualities. Obviously he's got to have the size and athleticism to do it. And then, you got to teach them to snap, you know, and, and which isn't, as you know, isn't, isn't the easiest thing to do. Right. I, I don't have any, and, and I feel like a bad coach almost every time anyone brings up center, uh, but I almost never have much of a, a many coaching points with the snap. I, I tell the guys, because the, the guy that learned center when I was in college, um, he just learned it by, you know, snapping it 10,000 times. He snapped but every single day. He'd go out and snap, and then eventually he was he was he could snap the ball where it needed to be snapped. But I, I never really have any great coaching points for that. You know what? Neither do I. I mean, what I tell them, quite honestly, is you know throw the ball between your legs. I mean, it's just like you're throwing it. You release it about your calf. Don't flip your wrist. You can point your elbow back. You know things like that. And and I played center, so. 
I mean, and I had to do it too. I never played center until college, you know, and, and I had to learn to snap and cut some of it was that was exactly what I was taught. And then it was just kind of trial and error and just going out there and doing it over and over and over and getting a feel and, and making sure that, you know, that every time you snap it, that whoever's catching it, quarterback, another offensive lineman is telling you when it's a bad snap because you don't always know. You know, sometimes you know, but obviously you don't always know if it's a bad snap. So, you, you know, if you're not telling them and coaching them on it, they think it's, it's you know, a good snap. So, I don't, I don't overcoach that. That's one thing I never have. You know, sometimes I, I don't even tell a guy anything. You know, if he's never played center, I say, hey, go snap the ball. I won't tell him anything. I'll let him watch, and then I'll adjust from there after I see how he does it. Coach, how much cross-training do you do with your offensive line? Are you having guys that are learning multiple spots? I know you'd mentioned, you know, Andrew learning guard and center. Is that something you do with a, a lot of your guys, teach them, you know, both sides, you know, figure out who your, your swing guys are going to be? Yeah, you know, um, when they first get here, now Andrew's a different story, and I think he can handle it, but generally when guys first get here, I settle them into a position, um, let them learn that. Also, and I tell them, you got to know what everybody on the line's doing, you know. So basically for me, and do I do it with every single guy? No, I don't. I, would, I try to do it with as many guys as we possibly can. Um, some guys just can't handle it, you know, especially early in their career. Some guys can, you know, but I do expect that if a guy, you know, if a guy's a left guard, he should be able to play right guard, you know. Sometimes if you're a guard, it's going to be a little bit tougher to play tackle. Like a guy like Cody Ford, I never anticipated him being a tackle for us. I just didn't think that he, he could be as good as he was. And, and obviously that was bad judgment on my part, but – got into a position where he was one of the top five offensive linemen and we had two pretty good guards. And so we tried him at tackle and heck he, he, he was effective at it left early as a junior. So, um, obviously it worked out for us and for him, but you know, it just depends on, you know, where the guy is in his career and, and what our needs are too. You've had, you've had a few guys do that, uh, you know, go and, and be really good football players and, and leave early. And you've had guys make the decision to stay a year when, when, you know, it's been questioned, were they going to leave early? I think that's probably a unique uh, thing that happens at a, at a big program. Uh, and, and everyone that I've heard that have, have left have always been, uh, you know, huge Coach B fans, uh, your players. How do you go about navigating those waters? Because you want what's best for the kid. You also want what's best for the university. Um, and, you know, if guys are leaving early, it, it really sucks at that point for you. But it's good for him, and it's probably good for recruiting as well. How do you navigate those and, and talk with those guys when they're trying to make those decisions? Yeah, just by – just being completely honest with them, you know, and, and telling them what my opinion is, and then whatever they uh, do, they do, and you support. You know, we've I've had guys that I've said, hey, you need to leave. I mean, this is – you're not going to come back and improve. It's time for you to go to the NFL and make money, no matter where they got drafted. And then – I've had guys that I've told, you know, hey, you need to come back. You know, we, this is all the information we got from the NFL, from scouts, from our opinion as well. You need to come back. And they've left, you know, and, and that's fine too, you know. And then we've had guys we've told, hey, you need to come back. This is the best thing for you. And they've come back. But the biggest thing is, and they know, I mean, it's just being honest with them, you know. I mean, if a guy is going to be a first or second round pick and I don't think he can come back to improve himself, I'm going to tell him to leave. And if he comes back, that's fine too. But, I mean, we're going to be honest with him. We're going to give him our opinion and we're going to tell him exactly what we think. And then when they make the decision, whatever it is, you support them in it. Coach, you've obviously coached, you know, some of the, the freakier dudes, you know, in, in college football and, and now obviously the NFL, you know, what might be like some of the, the freakiest or, or craziest stories you've seen, you know, that, that guys have done or that, you know, the, the coolest plays or most athletic things that you've seen, you're like, oh, my God, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, we've, we've had a couple of them. I mean, I think, the, the, you know, if you look at Orlando Brown, and I know his combine numbers weren't very good, but what made him so good is he wanted to be a great offensive lineman. He worked at it. I mean – you know, he was always doing extra. He was always watching film. And, you know, to, even when he was a freshman, I'm like, man, you know, and we didn't really – I didn't really want to recruit him out of high school. And I've told him this. He knows it. I mean, he wasn't 
a great player. He was just a big dude. Now, he had he had some obviously good genes. His dad was an all-pro NFL offensive lineman. So, you know, that's one thing he had going for him. But, you know, just the things – and he was, he was a lot more – I don't want to say he's a great athlete, but he's a lot more athletic than people truly give him credit for. I mean, he, he could do some things that were – that were unbelievable. You know, the guy, 6'8", he's 350, sometimes he was 360 pounds, you know, and, you know, most guys like that can't move and can't get into a position, you know, and um, Cody Ford, you know, he was just a big physical, I mean, he mauled people, you know, and we had, that, that line we have was, was pretty dang good. I don't know if, I hope, hopefully in my lifetime, I'll see another one like it, but <laughs> gosh, man, they were just, they were physical, they were nasty. It, it was just fun to watch every, every dang game and practice and because they wanted they didn't just want to block you I mean they wanted to they wanted to physically get after you so um not, nothing individual just just those things that were just fun to watch and fun to see I think those that's that's kind of been at least these past few years what Oklahoma's offensive line has kind of been uh, known for is is you know that physicality um almost like what you, you know, at least what I think of as like a, a pro-style type offense of physicality up front, but you guys are obviously doing it out of a, um, you know, a spread spread offense. But what I'm sure some of it is, you know, you've got kids that you're recruiting in that are really physical, mean guys that like to play football that way. But uh, a lot of that, I think, comes down to how it's being coached. Uh, is that something that that you always uh, instill, that you talk about, um, that you guys go over and, and show film on and, and different things like that uh, during the week or during the off season? No doubt. And I very, was very, very fortunate. <laughs> and you, you always want to coach that as a coach. Every O-line coach does. But I think it's how you, you talk about it, how you drill it, how you praise it on tape. I don't – well, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. I don't give them a ton of praise just for blocking a guy. You know what I mean? I mean, hell, that's your job, you know. So, um, but when they when they physically get after somebody, finish somebody, that's what I praise. And everybody, <clears throat> we're all humans. Everybody wants to be praised, you know. So they see that. And then I was very fortunate to have Orlando Brown. He's kind of the one that really, for me, um, kind of set the culture here. I mean, we would have – you know, with the young guys Thursday, we call it Thursday night football, it's just with the young guys playing. And it, Coach Stoops would stop the game every every week, you know, because Orlando was getting in a fight with somebody or, you know, blocking somebody after the whistle. And, you know, I was good with it, you know, because, you know, I'm like, you know, now you got you to temper it. You can't get personal fouls, which he did at times uh, up until his last year. But um, I'd rather have to, you know, rein them in and, you know, say go sick them, you know, so. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things that you coach, you teach, but and then you show it on tape. Hey, this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, I think that was the biggest, uh, you know, difference in, in some of the offensive line coaches that I had is is we had certain, like you said, every coach talks about effort and and being physical. Every offensive line coach, you know, that'll probably ever be. Uh, but yeah. I had certain offensive line coaches that talked about it, and then they talk about it every day. But like you said, that they never showed it on film. They never made it a point. They never said good job for, you know, they, they would look at technique and all this and who you went to, but there was never a watch the wide or whatever you wanted to call it to look at the effort or the physicality. And then we had a couple guys that, that they did. And, they, and it definitely changed, I think, how everybody played when, when that was shown on film. And, and when it's shown on film or talked about on film, I think that it, it, um, it, it sinks in a little bit more. No, no doubt. <clears throat> I agree. And, and that's what you, that's what they're looking for. They're, they're looking for, Hey, how, how am I supposed to do this? You know, because ultimately not everybody is coached that way, you know, that gets here, you know, they're so, you know, and some guys heck, you see it on tape and I'm not just saying because I'm talking to you, but you saw it out of Andrew rain, you know, it's not one of those things that you have to coach with him. And there's a couple other guys here and there, but you just don't, you don't see it a ton, you know, when you, now you see it on highlights, you know, when you get a, but I'm saying if you watch a kid's just game film, you don't see it every single play like you want to, you know, so, um, and then I said, you know, about praise, you know, I, I, I think, you know, like I said, we're all humans. We all want to say, 
have somebody tell us, hey, that's a good job. And those are the things that I praise when, when they're physically doing things, going above and beyond of just blocking the guy. You know, so that's how we try to instill it the best we can. Staying, you know, staying with film, uh, what is your, and not like an actual percentage or ratio, but what is your ratio with, with your guys of how much they watch themselves and practice during a week uh, for technique and different things compared to how much you want them watching uh, their opponent film? Um, oh, that's a great question. So they have to, for the most part, <clears throat> they've got to do a lot of opponent film study on their own. That's what we are trusting them. Now, we do it, but I would say it's probably 70% uh, watching ourselves and then 30% and maybe a little bit, little bit more of watching the opponent. Like basically on Fridays, I get, I don't know, an hour, a little bit over an hour, some hour and a half, something like that to actually just watch opponent tape. Um, and what I do is I break it down by formation. So I just, you know, so say we're in trips right or trips left, you know, four wides, I give them, you know, so I'll break it down for them. I'll have just one cut up that shows every front and blitz out of that four wides. And then we'll go to the next formation. So, you know, they're not having to watch every single cut up. I would hope they would, but it's just, it's just facts that they're not. So I, you know, I make a couple hundred play tape for them and then they can get through that in the week and then we'll watch that as well. So um, probably, you know, a little bit more of watching ourselves and practice and technique than watching the opponent. Coach, how excited are you to see uh, a lot of these offensive line coaches now starting to get, you know, consideration for head jobs, and a lot of guys are actually getting head jobs, where maybe in the past it was it was maybe not as prevalent, you know, it was kind of the either big-time D.C. or big-time O.C. No, no doubt. I think it's awesome. I think it's great. Um, you know, heck, you know, as an offensive line coach, you're coaching the most guys on the team. You know, you are offensive staff, or our total staff. I mean, we got – We've got, what, 10 coaches. So if you look at our offense, most guys are coaching one or two guys, whereas the offensive line coach, you're coaching five guys, and plus you got about 20 in your room. So you've got, what would that be, about a fifth of the team in your room, you know? And you've got to understand as an offensive line coach the total structure of the defense. You can't just, in my opinion, you can't just understand you know, what the front is doing. You got to understand how the front works together with the uh, coverage, with the blitz and, and what they're doing. Coach, and, and I was kind of curious, uh, you know, you do have all these guys and, and then you get in and, and I know it's a little bit different maybe now uh, because you guys, I think, had a couple of, of early, you know, signees. But um, normally you go into um, the very first weeks of August and you've got, you know, however many, 15, uh, old guys and you got four or five new young guys um, and and we we have the same thing with freshmen that come up uh, and and I always think and even throughout the year you know you've got guys that are that know the system really well and that you need to kind of sharpen what they're already doing and then you got guys that are are down on another level that you're just trying to bring up and and teach them just you know not getting a stance but basically how to get into a stance uh, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you coach both of those guys simultaneously? How do you break that up? How, I mean, without, you know, you don't want to be so expert level that your young guys don't even know what you're talking about. But then if you go to just complete basics uh, very much, then your old guys are, are getting bored and aren't getting what they need. Yeah. And again, we may be a little bit unique here. Um, and, and it's unique to me. So we do two groups of inside. We do two groups of team, Ron. We do two groups of team. So when you get here, like I, we got two new offensive linemen that came in in January. Now, we only had one spring practice, but now I don't think we're going to have spring ball. But we throw them right in there from the start. You know what I mean? Now, there's certain things I will coach the older guys, and I'll say, hey, you young guys, don't listen to this. You're not doing this right now. But for the most part, I, quite honestly, when they get here, <clears throat> I'm coaching them, basically those young guys, the same as the older guys. Now, 
we, you know, the young guys are going to have to come in on their own. We can't force them to do that. But the young guys that want to get better will come in on their own, and I'll meet with them separately and break it down even more basic. But when we're in the meeting room, heck, those older guys, for the most part, are getting taught just like the younger guys. I got gotcha. you. Well, Coach, kind of coming up on an hour, um, which is when we normally like to cut it off. But the last thing I always like to ask uh, everybody uh, is when you're watching uh, another team's offensive line, uh, what's something that the offensive line would be doing uh, that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Playing hard and playing physical. I mean, those are the things. And obviously good technique, <clears throat> good fundamentals. But <clears throat> I think, you know, guys that can go out there and they play hard every single play, they play physical every single play, those are the offensive lines that I like to watch. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.